It's head-to-head competition that has dominated the wrestling week as AEW and WWE go up against each other in a return to the alleged war between the two companies. We saw the return of The Undertaker, Adam Copeland's in-ring debut, title changes galore, loads to talk about on SmackDown as well, and we get into it all here on Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, alongside professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. How are we, Mr. Beckett? Very well, thank you, Jack. I am. This morning we don't we don't have a game this weekend, so everyone had fun with the big session yesterday on Friday. Lots of contact, lots of work. Good session, but oh, you feel it on a Saturday morning. Do you you must go a little less heavy on each other in the training? You must do compared to a game. I think so, wouldn't you? But sometimes I think it's heavier. Like boys have you try to get you always like to out to your mates, don't you? And also any little annoyances with each other, that's the place to take it out. And then it's kind of you're playing to get picked, aren't you? It's a um. It's unique sport and the fact that you essentially get told whether you have a job or not every week, whether you're in the 15 and the 23. So sometimes it can get a bit too tasty. But no, it was a good session yesterday. But yes, a little bit of stiffness in the neck and shoulder this morning. Yeah, speaking of things getting tasty, we got a little bit of a battering on social media this week for our alleged AEW bias, which we'll be talking about later. We did, yeah. It's our first time. So I think that means we've made it now. Yeah, once you start getting getting trolled, although it, yeah, trolling might be strong, but nah, you know what? I'm feeling punchy today. We were trolled. Um, once you start getting trolled, you know that you have made it. So we'll talk about that later, but loads to get into. Here's Charlie underscore Beckett on social media. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, and subscribe to Earning the Push wherever you get the podcast from. Most of today is going to be dominated by the alleged Tuesday night war between AEW and NXT. Dynamite moving on to NXT's turf on Tuesday, WWE loading up their card for a big win. It meant we as an audience got NXT appearances from Get Your Ears Around This. Undertaker, John Cena, Paul Heyman, Cody Rhodes, LA Knight, Becky Lynch, Judgment Day and Asuka. AEW led with Adam Copeland's in-ring debut against Luchasaurus. Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland and a new AEW international champion. First things first, Charlie, before we get into the bones of this, how good to have competition between the two companies again. Yeah, brilliant. It brings the best out of everyone. And while, yes, it might have been a bit ridiculous, the fact that you wouldn't expect this from NXT every week, would you? These ledgers that Undertaker's not going to come back for a run on the black and gold, you wouldn't think. But it's great to have competition. And the main takeaway for me is one and a half million people were watching wrestling on a Tuesday night. That's really cool, I think. So I, I'm i not a big buyerina, not a word, of um, this war like of the competition, I'm just like, this is great that we've got both because you can choose, well, here in England, we can't watch either live, it's in the middle of the night, but you can happily watch one live and then watch one and catch up later if you need to. I'm not a huge believer of it's good for one and bad for the other. I think it's just good for the whole industry to have this much great wrestling on our telly. And it was, yeah, it was excellent. It was excellent. Um, those who buy into these things will want us to talk about the ratings, which is NXT won the night, uh, 921,000 viewers to 609,000 for AEW. Now, when I first saw those, I said, you know what, I don't think that's as bad as as perhaps it could have been. And then I heard other people talk about it and looked into it a bit more. That is a bit of a tonking for AEW. It is, but are we surprised? Because I think the AEW fans will watch AEW. <laughs> but and the problem is the casual fans who watch AW in the week because they like wrestling, they went over to WWE because they know the likes of John Cena, The Undertaker, LA Knight, um, Cody Rhodes. So I think AW kept its core fan base of there who they are who will watch AW no matter what is on the other side. 
on a Wednesday, 300,000 people watch um, Dynamite because there's wrestling on. But when you put Dynamite up against WWE and known stars, they go that way. And I think that's all it shows. I don't think it's a huge shock or a huge loss or people are flocking away from AEW. I absolutely don't think that at all. Neither do I think people are flocking to NXT. I think you've got an extra few re- casual wrestling fans because of the names. You've got an extra 100,000. AEW, sorry, NXT on a um, Tuesday normally does about 800,000, doesn't it? So you, you picked up another 100,000 just from your casual fans. I don't think many people who would normally watch NXT on a Tuesday were watching AEW instead. I think what you got was the AEW fan base also watching wrestling on a Tuesday. And the the more casual fan picked up NXT because of the names on there. I think that's probably right. One thing I will say, though, is when we saw this in 2019, it was AEW that was coming out on top. And we were seeing AEW come on top with about 900,000 to about 750,000-ish, give or take. It's a couple of years back, so we, we have to dig into the old memory bank. What seems interesting to me is that AEW's audience has dropped. So even in head-head competition, they're not attracting the same numbers they used to. Now, they've changed network. There was a lot of novelty about them beforehand. There was a lot of excitement. WWE's product wasn't as hot as it is now. So there's lots of reasons why that could be. But if I was Tony Khan, I would have caused for concern and looking at tony khan's twitter feed this week that is a man who is rattled i mean i don't know how else to say it charlie you look at what he's tweeted and you're just sort of going what what are you doing man yeah i, I i'm not sure what he's trying to achieve through um, his tweets it's kind of kind of like a it strikes me as the petulant child who the girl decides to go with someone else to prom and now they're shouting all the reasons why they should have gone with her and actually they didn't want to go with her anyway. They're glad they didn't go with her. I just don't get who it's helping. That That's my main thing here. Like, if he was throwing shade WWE in an unprofessional manner, but I understood why it was getting more eyes on AW, it was doing something, I'd be like, okay, it's business, I understand. It might not be the way I do it, but I understand why you're doing it. I have no idea what his end game is with these tweets. It doesn't make sense. And I don't want to jump on the bashing Tony Khan, Bamman, because actually I think what he's done with this business is brilliant. And we'll get into it later about the things we do like about AEW. But... Which is a lot, by the way. We like a lot about AEW. Absolutely. And my main like of AEW is that we get another world-class, because it is, it is a world-class wrestling product. They give me an extra five or so hours a week of great wrestling I can watch if and when I want to. They give another place for brilliant professional wrestlers to go and earn a good living, a good wage, and it sees a more family-friendly sort of schedule with the less travelling. So there's that option if you want to as a wrestler. And actually, in ring, I'm, I'm doing it. Jack had this down for later, but I'm doing it now. The <laughs> thing I love about AEW is probably in ring. As much as I, I'm a WWE fan, I've never claimed not to be. That's my first love in wrestling. Actually, purely for in-ring wrestling, you probably get it better in AEW. They probably have the upper hand there. So there's loads I like about it. So I don't want to bash Tony Khan, but I do not understand what he's doing or what he's trying to achieve with his Twitter X feed at the moment. No, and in the same way that when WWE was referring to AEW right at the start of, you know, I think Triple H called it a pissant company or whatever it was, it just doesn't reflect well on anyone. But Tony Khan, it was a point he said... You know, with all due respect to, to Undertaker and John Cena, we've ended your streak of a million views. And you just sort of go, who's thinking? Like, you, to, to the mental contortions to be putting that out just doesn't make you look good. If you're an AEW tribalist, 
I suppose what you could say is you weren't really beaten by NXT. That isn't really an NXT card. That is a WWE Legends card with some NXT sprinkled throughout it. I think it's a good thing that WWE did, but you're not beaten by usual C-show developmental there. No, absolutely not. So you can absolutely make that point, and it is a fair point. That was not your regular Tuesday night NXT. Um it was a fun show and it was a good show. And I sat here last week and said, I wonder how they're going to use these legends. I actually really enjoyed how they did. I thought, WWE have told us Carmelo Hayes and Bron Breaker, they're the future here. Like, you now know they're a big deal. When they turn up on the ro- on the main roster, all you have to show is the video package of them both working with Cena, with Heyman, with The Undertaker. And you're like, oh, okay, these guys are a big deal. So I like how they used it. I thought the way they used the Judgment Day was always brilliant. Having Don face off against Dragunov was excellent. LA Knight turning up out of nowhere to be a special ref. Yeah, makes sense. Heyman backstage. I I thought the way they used the main roster talent didn't take away from NXT. It wasn't like they were the focus of the show. They were just additional sprinkling, which is the way it should be. Now, you can't do that every week, and it shouldn't be done every week. But as a one-off, I really enjoyed it. I actually thought the same thing. I thought I would not hate, and I don't know what you call it, but like an NXT All-Stars night. But once a year, in the same way that AEW brands a Grand Slam show, if you can brand an NXT and take it out of uh, the Performance Center, wherever they're filming, you know, whatever the name is, and you take it on the road and you do every year some sort of All-Star night, I would not hate that. You and I were buzzing about one thing only at the end of the Tuesday Night War, and that was the return of The Undertaker in NXT looking great, looking amazing, just a fantastic moment. Yeah, he looks in the best physical shape we've seen in a while. The one thing I'd say is he doesn't move up those stairs the way he used to, but that is understandable. He's coming on 60 and his hips will not be in the best shape, but he looked great. He looked like he was having fun. God, he's cool coming in on that bike. Jesus Christ, I wish I was as cool as that. And then that's the best choke slam he's hit in about 10 years. And fair play, I think Bron Breaker's got a hell of a vertical leap on him to help out. But Taker looked like an absolute animal again, being able to choke some Bron Breaker like that. And I really enjoyed his little dirty tactic of distracting him with the microphone, a bang, right-hand punch. Um, but no, I thought it was great. And I've always said Dead Man Taker's my favourite, and he is, and he always will be. But absolutely, if we're going to see The Undertaker now, it has to be essentially Mark Calloway. Like, how far away do we think this undertaker is from mark calloway now it's about that much it's about an inch of difference between them i I think the thing is as well there were so many years where the focus on the undertaker was can we get him through one more wrestlemania match and now he has said you know what i'm done that's not happening i think it's almost like we can all breathe out we can all relax we're not watching to see who we setting him up for a mania can he get through it we're just going let's just enjoy this for what it is i saw that and there was that like 10 percent there that was like maybe you could get him through a a five minute squash match at but he, he, no one wants to see it anymore we they're giving us what we want to see with this version of the undertaker and he's such an asset yeah, I'm not worried that he's going to pop in the Rumble to set up a Mania match now because I don't think he wants that. I don't think we want that. This is how I'd like to see them to take you still as this enforcer badass who has a big right hand and a choke slam in him when he needs to and is actually pretty good on the mic in his own unique way. He can he holds this gravitas in the company and in the industry that no one else does. That When he talks, everyone listens. And if he says, 
I think you're a punk and I'm going to punch you. You're like, oh, that guy is a baddie. He deserves it. When he lets Carmelo Hayes stand next to him and, st- and hit his signature pose, you sit up and go, oh, okay. Taker thinks Hayes is good. So this 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 kid must be good. This kid must be good for the future. So that's the way that you use him to either put over a face as the next face or to show that a heel deserves, that deserves being put in their place by the only man who can do it. I think it's a really clever way to use him. And I don't want to see him often. But when, when I do, I want to see him use like this. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk AEW in a little bit, but lots more to talk about in NXT, including uh, bloodline developments of a sort. Now, this may just be WWE just being very cheeky and teasing, but we saw an interesting angle backstage. Paul Heyman and Ava Rain, otherwise known as The Rock's daughter, having a wee little chat caught on camera. Wasn't much of it, but it got tongues wagging. They know what they do, WWE. My favourite bit of this was that Paul's just sat there with his phone like that and it just says bloodline. As if he can't as if he can't just sit there and talk to her about the bloodline as if we don't all know what it is. Ava, listen, I don't know if you're aware, you you're a professional wrestler. Probably the biggest story in the industry the last three and a half years also includes an awful lot of your family members. Um oh you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, hang on. I'll just show you a picture of the word on my phone. Ah you've got it. Excellent. Yes, would you like to join? I thought that was comically hilarious that they thought that was the way to go with it. Um, but it's fascinating, isn't it? Is this them just teasing us? Is this them just thinking, oh, we'll do this? And people are like, ah, oh, the rock's coming. Or is this actually a development of how they're going to move the bloodline on? Is they're going to try and bring a next generation of it through? I have no idea. And we've never had a female enforcer in the bloodline. It's never been something we've done. I don't think... I think the group, I don't want to say reboot, but it, it needed a bit of a punch in the arm, and that wouldn't be a bad way to do it. And and who loses in this situation? Who loses with Ava Rain and Paul Heyman sat backstage, little segment. If it's a one-off, it's just a little let's enjoy it for what it is. But if it's more than that, you know WWE will come back and, and tease that again. My favourite thing, apart from The Undertaker, I have to say, was just Cody Rhodes being back in NXT, or in NXT, because... What a moment for him, given what his dad did with that brand, and the fact that for years he was up against NXT, and now he's... I mean, that was surreal. Yeah, there was two moments that really hit me. The first was, I don't know if you saw it online, there's, there's obviously somewhere at the performance there, some stairs you walk down, and there's a picture of Dusty above it. Yeah. A little bit like the cot, um, sorry, the Mrs. Anfield sign at Liverpool when you walk down the stairs there. And seeing Cody Rhodes walk down those stairs and his dad looking over him, I thought was very, very cool. It must have been very emotional for him. And then the fact that he was able to announce the Dusty Classic is coming back was very, very cool. So, yeah, I liked that a lot. It must have it must have meant a lot to Cody to be back there where his dad essentially built and where his dad is revered as the greatest. It must have been a very cool moment for him. Yeah, and Cody is just uber babyface. Uber babyface. I know a lot of focus is on LA Knight because he has bubbled up as the hottest thing in the company. Cody is consistently great. And I, I, I don't think... You'll know this from from teams you've played in. You have those people who are just consistently always there and always performing. When did Cody Rhodes last have an off night in WWE? I'm not sure he has since he's been back, and that is just testament to him as the man and the performer. Did you see on social media, on WWE's channels, I believe, um, about backstage NXT where <clears throat> excuse me, he met um, a kid who's a super fan of him, had a sign saying, if you follow me back on um, TikTok, my uh, my dad will take me to WrestleMania 40. So Code Rhodes, Code Rhodes' assistant carries his phone around, which is really, that that's that's when you're big time. 
He's on the phone. He shows me he's folded it. The kid's so sad. The dad's almost smiling. Daddy's smile was crying. And then Cody, genuinely to the surprise, dad says, oh, and the tickets and travel are on me. And you just see this dad just be like, are you like, just, the dad almost he got, before he's thinking, how am I going to afford this trip to WrestleMania? And then Cody Rhodes takes it all away with that. And he just seems like, I get, and I might be being completely played here, but I get the feeling that if there wasn't a camera there, Cody Rhodes would do the same. Like he just strikes me as a really good, decent human being. And now, like J- Jack Smirking, I may be completely played by the cameras there. And actually, he might be a terrible human being when the cameras aren't on. We don't know. But I just don't get that vibe with him. No, no, I think he's a lovely guy. I just, <laughs> I'm just picturing the counter reality where they bring the camera. He says, Yeah, I saw your sign. Anyway, good luck with that, Dad. Get him to Mania and walks out. Like, <laughs> oh, wait till I'm there with the sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie, you're a 20, almost 28 year old man. Like, you, you have a job. Like, can you not just save up and come to WrestleMania if you like? You'd also be towering over him. That's the thing. I think you're. you're... I'd be charged to a match. Yeah, that'd be it. That'd be. that. Well, maybe that's the next thing to do. So, look, NXT was great. AEW wasn't bad at all. And I think it was one of their better shows. We saw Adam Copeland make his in ring debut with a win over Luchasaurus. He looked good in the ring. Uh, it looks like that uh, we're going straight to Copeland versus Christian as uh, the former Edge's first program. Elsewhere, Sheeda beats Soraya. We've got MJF and Jay White. Um, it was a good dynamite. It was a really good dynamite. I just think AW can't catch a break at the moment. No, you're right. It was a really good dynamite. It was just up against a. We've never seen NXT like it, have we? So everyone was going to watch. In the history of NXT, we've never seen it like it. So put that aside. We talk about dynamite. I thought dynamite was really good. Um, I'm going to call him Edge so often. Adam Copeland, unsurprisingly, looked great. It's not like he's been gone for a while. Luchasaurus quietly puts together a really good resume of matches now. I think. I said a few weeks ago that I'd hold off on Christian and Copeland together. I think they're not. I think that makes clever. Um, I think that is clever because I think we're going to see. I think I said it last week. I think we're going to see a heel turn, Madam Copeland. I think we're going to see Christian and Adam Copeland as a heel team, and I'm all all in for that because. I was reading an interview with, he was Edge at this point, earlier in the week, about Judgment Day and how people just didn't want to boo Edge at that point. Like, he put the suit on, he cut his head. People didn't want to boo him because he was then, how long he'd be back, all these things. We know, we now know Adam Copeland is in AEW for a good while on a full-time deal. Christian is the most booed man in AEW at the moment. Jenny think you align Adam Copeland with him, he will get booed. He will be treated like a heel. People aren't going to be like, oh, it's Edge, we want to cheer. I think they will boo him. And if we have any younger fans on here who don't, I have never seen heel Edge, he's the greatest. Like, I cannot explain to you how much 12-year-old me hated Edge with a vengeance. Like, genuinely almost, like, he once cashed in on The Undertaker to win the World Heavyweight title. And I genuinely cried with anger at 10 years old. I was so angry with this man and hated him. So you're in for a treat if we get that. And I really hope we do. I just don't think it's possible. Let this, this will be interesting because you've got you down your one track. I'll take the other track, which is I don't think people will ever want to really boo Adam Copeland again. Like really, this, they, might, they might, you know, oh, boo, okay, okay. He's saying bad things about I don't think you can get that visceral hatred and I think it would make him look lesser next to Christian. I think he'd be relying on Christian's rub to get him to that level of heel. And there's no knock on Adam Copeland. I just think he's a bit like when Ric Flair got to that territory late in his career or Jericho. Yet you can do it and people will boo you, but they're always going to want to cheer you more. Yeah, it's a very good point as well. I think 
it will be interesting to see what they do. And he might, I don't think he'll ever get the heat he did in the early 2010s. I'm not, or the late noughties. I'm not, I'm not for a second saying that. But I do think there is the story to be told of him and Christian being a heel tag team that over the course of a year turn face and have one last face run together. I think there's, I think the story there, I think they could do it. I just think Christian's brilliant. I enjoy him so much on telly at the moment. He, he, how can a man wrestle in a, in a turtleneck? Like a little polo neck thing. How can he do it? It's just ridiculous that he's got that going on. Um, I I think... Look, let's get into it because we we were called out on Twitter this week. Someone said, I used to love listening to Earning the Push, but now I can't because they've got their anti-AEW bias. Now, we have opinions. We don't have a bias against AEW. I mean, I paid best part of how much it was to stand at Wembley and had the best night of wrestling of my life at All In. But we'd be lying if we didn't say there were things that AEW needed to tweak. For me, it's storytelling, it's announcing, and their audience shows it. But for the sake of those who feel we have an anti-AEW bias, let's humour them. You've mentioned it already, but tell me categorically what you love about AEW. Yeah, so I got into a little bit earlier, but my, my main love is that we get another... I said it earlier, genuinely top of the game, world class um, wrestling company. Like their production is on point with the. I'm not going to compare them to WWE. I'm going to say what they do. They have world class production, they have world class talent. The talent seems to be looked after in a world class way. They put on huge shows in arenas and stadiums that are brilliant. They're on US network and shown all around the world. There is a very obvious divide between the top two and the rest of. Um, rest of wrestling companies on just those things so we've got two two companies that do that i love that because i genuinely believe in any industry but especially sport competition brings the best out of everyone and i do not think it is a coincidence we've seen the best out of wwe that we have seen probably in 15 20 years in the last two or three years because of AEW. they have made that product better because when AEW came in they were they were better to watch wwe you weren't really watching wwe because AEW was so good and it made WWE better. Now, on the flip side, AEW have got to step up their game to compete again. That's how competition and sport work. So I love that we get that. I'm just waiting for AEW to do that again. And like I said, AEW is not bad. If there was just AEW, I would still be a wrestling fan. I would be watching AEW every week. I just think at the moment, it is not as enjoyable to watch WWE. And unfortunately, WWE has a 25-year history of me being a fan. For me always to lean back on, I always... If I'm, if I've got a spare hour, I'll go and watch an old WWE match before an old AEW match, for example, because there's just more of it. It doesn't mean I don't like AEW. I actively enjoy AEW. I look forward to their pay-per-views. I was gutted I wasn't here for All In. I will be going next year. Come hell or high water, I will be going to Wembley next year. I think it is brilliant for the industry, for the professionals. Like I said, it's a great that there's two places wrestlers can go and earn a good living now, both in WWE and AEW. There's so many brilliant things about AEW. I genuinely think they're about 5% off cracking it and it generally being competition again. But at the moment, it just isn't. And the ratings show you that. The What everyone's talking about online show you that. And my personal opinion, and that's a beautiful thing, and you said this on Twitter in reply, opinions, we're all allowed one. Everyone has one, they will all differ. Um, and my personal opinion at the moment is WWE is more enjoyable to watch. It doesn't mean it's better because it is subjective. Wrestling is a subjective medium. I enjoy it more, and I will be picking up my paycheck from WWE uh, later today for saying all that because that there's the thing is I'm actually paid by WWE on my little podcast to promote them. 
It's all, it's all, it's all, we've been in Vince's pocket for years. It, it's a weird one, this. It did sort of strike me out of left field because I sort of think everyone wants a wrestling industry to succeed. You don't have to pick a side. Um, AEW was a company that got me getting up at one in the morning to see if CM Punk was coming out back when they debuted Rampage in the second episode, you know, the first dance. I was, I was up at 1am to watch it. I had to be part of that moment. I had to be at Wembley. I still think All Out, when we got Danielson and Cole debut on the same night, is one of the greatest wrestling moments since WrestleMania 17. I just think that pay-per-view is as good as one of the greatest of all time. But you've hit the nail on the head. WWE is a different beast. It is an animal. They will compete and compete and compete. And Tony Khan, I think, finds himself in a bit of a hole at the moment because he's he's had he's done so much right. WWE have raised their game. And now Tony Khan has to show what he's got in the locker. And I think sometimes the greatest strength is knowing your greatest weaknesses. And for me, Tony Khan would be well served to have someone take his phone, to have someone take over the booking and say, look, I've done amazing things, but maybe I'm not the guy to take us to this next level. And WWE did that. Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson as his finish guy. You know, Vince said, Pat can do my finishes. JR can announce because I'm not the announcer JR is and I'm not the finish guy that Pat Patterson is. There is no shame in admitting where you're not great. And for me, that's what I think AEW needs to be doing. And that's not bias. That's a, I'd love to see you get to that next level. Yeah, I entirely agree. In, in any industry, you need to know what you're good at and do it. And you need to know what you're less good at and find someone who's really bloody good at it. And you said it a number of times, I think Tony Khan is a brilliant businessman. He just is. You can't argue with that, with the success he has at AEW, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, with Fulham Football Club. You can't own three things like that and not be good at business. It just doesn't work. I'm not sure how brilliant a wrestling booker and promoter Tony Khan is. And that is not a problem. That is fine. He's not a bad one, by the way. He's a very he's a, he's a very good one. He's got a, He's got a company that over half a million people watch consistently every week and he can sell out Wembley he is a good booker but to compete with WWE the way he wants to you need better than good so he needs to go and find someone who is better than good and there aren't many people out there so you need to go and find one bring them in and just take a little bit of the control away from yourself you you if I was Tony Khan or one of his advisors I'd say I need you to focus on the business side of things I need you to find us more stadiums to go and fill I need you to find us more network deals to get more money all these things let me put as the booker if i was him put the product to get the bums on seats at the stadiums to get the people watching the network focus on what you're good at and find someone who's good at the other things because i think i think what it comes down to is aw wrestling companies at the level that wwe and aw operate at they are not wrestling companies You've got wrestling shows that are put on across the UK and the US every week where they're just wrestling shows. They're the shows. People come to watch the wrestling, they leave. AEW and WWE are television companies. They are episodic television. That is very different to being a wrestling booker. We can all say, ah, oh, give me Zack Sabre Jr. against Brian Danielson. Uh, give me Roman Reigns. I mean, WWE on SmackDown last night could have put on Roman Reigns against John Cena. And next week they could bring back Shawn Michaels and do Shawn Michaels against uh, LA Knight. Those are dream matches. They're not story. And story is what AEW is sorely lacking. I feel like this isn't going to make make the guy who criticised us any less. I think, I think it'll just be good for fire. 
Anyway, look, uh, so it was a big week in terms of AW versus NXT. Last night I had SmackDown. Uh, I put some little speculation down about what I thought we might begin on SmackDown because it was a season premiere, meant to be a big one. I got it all wrong. I thought we'd see Randy Orton return. I thought we'd get a War Games announcement. Instead, what we saw was the elevation of LA Knight, who looks like he's next in line for Roman Reigns. We saw Nick Aldis appointed as the SmackDown general manager, which was a real swerve from left field. We saw Jade Cargill square off against Charlotte Flair. Um, it looks like WWE is really hitting its stride as we head in towards Survivor Series Rumble Mania. They're just getting their pieces together. Yeah, I mean, Jay Cargill and Charlotte Flair facing off is just a, a money-making machine. Like, just print those dollar bills off now. That's a... Uh, I like how they're not messing about. They're like, okay, there's a few feuds people want to see. Let's give them one straight away, if that's where we're going. So I like that a lot. Also, she just looks like an absolute superstar. Every time she's on screen, it's Jay Cargill. Even just what she was wearing to meet briefly with Shawn Michaels on Tuesday. Just every time it's... They haven't put a foot wrong so far, in my opinion, with the presentation of Jay Cargill. She now has to deliver on her end when she gets in the ring. Uh, but I thought that was excellent and is exciting. Uh, Nick Aldis. I was reading reports before I went to bed that was going to happen. Out of nowhere, and he's brought Kevin Owens with him. Because why wouldn't you? It, it's ju just on the Jade Cargill-Charlotte Flair thing. If someone had been in a coma and woke up and you were trying to get them to, to catch up with wrestling... And you were like, oh yeah, a couple of weeks back we had Kenny Omega and Edge in the same frame on Dynamite. And then uh, on SmackDown we had Jade Cargill and Charlotte Flair. You wouldn't have believed it. You would just be sort of clicking your fingers by your ears going, hold on, just say that to me again. It just shows how bonkers wrestling is and we've taken it for granted. Nick Aldis as a GM is a, is a choice because Nick Aldis, for those who don't know, former NWA champion, former Magnus in TNA really really good wrestler so surprise they're using him in an authority figure role wonder how long that will last yeah interesting is this is just an intro to him he's going to become a wrestler or is he now just there as an authority figure and working behind the scenes i think something wwe are doing really well at the moment as well is you're seeing former wrestlers now becoming producers and doing really well like i like seeing the report of who's produced what match and bobby Roode and jason jordan are producing a lot of the good matches on wwe television at the moment so it's interesting how we're starting to see the generational wrestlers we've watched as younger men become behind the scenes now. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, the obvious ones as well. So it'd be interesting what they've got all this there to do. Interesting, they feel the need to bring in a general manager on SmackDown. I've quite enjoyed the fact that Adam Pearce has kind of been there across SmackDown and Raw when we've needed an authority figure, but we haven't really needed one that much because general managers have a real mixed history I think, on WWE television. I think there is not much middle ground there either. Brilliant and great fun and massively add to the program. Or they are terrible and you just want them off your screen. I don't think there's much middle ground. I don't know if you can think of anything to, to disagree with that. I mean, I think for every Paul Heyman who was a brilliant general manager, you get the anonymous raw general yeah. manager. So I don't mind general managers. I quite like having that authority figure there. I wasn't clamoring to have them brought back. And part of my concern is, are they just doing it because Survivor Series is on the horizon and we're going to be getting that false SmackDown versus Raw dynamic? Um, LA Nightman, LA Knight and Roman Reigns, who would have said that at the start of this year, that, that the hottest guy and potentially someone who... Could, Let's get into it. Could LA Knight dethrone Roman Reigns? Could he? 
He couldn't, could he? That's why they want everyone to think. And it's true, is it? Because, no, I do not think LA Knight is the man to dethrone Roman Reigns. I genuinely don't. However, is there anyone more popular in WWE right now? Would there be... Who would have a bigger pop? Who would have a better moment? Who would sell more merchandise on the back of it from a business point of view? I don't know if there is anyone right now. Unless you brought Stone Cold back. Oh, I mean, if, if you're throwing Stone Cold into the conversation, then, I mean, that shows there's no one else. And to me, LA Knight is probably you maybe a bit, I don't know, maybe you do remember this, but when Jeff Hardy was at the peak of his popularity, 2007, 2008, and they kept putting him in the title matches and he never quite got there, it feels like that's what they're going to do with LA Knight now. They're going to, LA Knight is going to be the foil who can't quite beat Roman Reigns. And he's not quite credible enough to be the guy, but boy, oh boy, will we believe it when those those long two and three quarter counts. I feel the issue they have here as well is I don't think the fan base and the crowd will take well to the bloodline screwing LA Knight out of winning it to the point where I think it won't be good booing. I think it will be genuine anger towards the bloodline and start to be, we don't want to see this anymore. Because also, we do need Roman Reigns to win clean at some point. I don't know when he lasted. We need we need him to be like, oh yeah, I am good at wrestling at some point as well. Does it hurt LA Knight to lose clean to Roman Reigns? I don't think so, as long as he has a good showing. I think it hurts Roman Reigns more to have them screw LA Knight out of it. I would have either at Survivor Series or the Rumble. That's it. I'd do this at the Rumble because I think you have to, I said last week, you have to keep LA Knight out of the Rumble. Because mm. if LA Knight is in the Rumble, he has to win it. He has to. So I would... I'd maybe do it at Survivor Series and then the Rumble again for whatever reason. Um, but I think it's just... It was only... I think I saw it was last week, a year ago, that LA Knight left the uh, Max Dupree character behind. What a year. Like, you can't even fathom this was where he'd be a year later. I'd completely forgotten about the Max Dupree character. Completely forgotten about it. I think you're so right in terms of they have to handle this with care because this is lightning in a bottle. And part of you goes, eh, WWE's lucky it's got lightning in a bottle again. But part of you has to go, creatively, they're firing on all cylinders. Because last year, who was lightning in a bottle? Sami Zayn. Who are we saying? Going to take the title off Roman Reigns. Got to be Sami Zayn. When are they going to... And now we're saying it with LA Knight again. And they've had Cena pass the torch. I mean, you just couldn't strap the rocket ships to LA Knight more if you tried right now. You really couldn't, and it's it's going to be exciting to see. I think it brought a lot of questions about SmackDown, which is good. Does this mean we're at the end of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens now as a tag team? That's a shame, because I enjoy them together. But also, I do, I've just smashed my microphone. I don't understand the brand split at the moment. Is there one? Isn't there one? Who really knows? Now, I don't know either. We also got a stare down between Cody and Roman Reigns, which was quite nice on SmackDown. But let's talk about what I think was our, our favourite moment that didn't involve The Undertaker, which only occurred on social media. The return of the DIY glorious bomb. What a moment. Yes, 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 yes. There'll be people out there who don't know what we're talking about. Pause here. Go and search the YouTube glorious bomb. It was a it was a thing in the late teens, wasn't it? It was a thing. Um, and the, the kings of it were Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. And it was very enjoyable. And we got it again this week. And I was buzzing with that. They just don't age as well, DIY. They look exactly the same. And I 
I think this just shows Triple H is in charge and he's like, yeah, do you know what? All those daft little things we used to do in NXT. Yeah, we're doing them again now, but on the main roster, what's the first daft thing we're going to do? I got DIY back together. Bring me Bobby Roode. Bring me your phone. Let's get one done. My, my other favourite thing this week, because um, this is what a mad week it's been. I don't think we've spoken about Fastlane, have we? Um, Cody Rhodes at Jey Uso's press conference. Where do you begin with that? This is the odd couple partnership that, man, I don't know what they're doing with it. And if we are going to get back to Cody against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, are we suspicious that Jay and Cody are the tag team champions? I mean, is uh, have we all been taken for a ride? But forget all of that, the press conference alone. I just love that they clearly had just had a really nice time since they won the titles and forgot they had a press conference to do. We're both a little bit drunk, but not to the point where they were disrespectful and it was just funny like and that's the thing like, the fact that you've seen WWE promote it so much like they put the whole thing on YouTube like no one's angry in that come they're like oh, okay this is fine it was when Jake my favourite moment was when Jey Uso kept saying you feel me you feel me and Cody Rose just went do you feel him sir that had me howling for about two minutes it's it's 19 minutes long if you've got a spare 20 minutes today and you haven't it's just very funny to watch two fully grown men Giggle like school children because they're a little bit drunk doing a press conference. I mean, you're so right. That was amazing. And we haven't talked about... I mean, we're going to get Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins at Crown Jewel. Oh, I like Drew McIntyre at the moment. Yeah. He is a heel who makes sense. Like, he is angry with certain people and is now... He's tried being good and it hasn't worked. So only towards those certain people that he's angry at, is he going to be a bit of a you-know-what? He's going to fight the way he needs to. He's not just horrible to everyone. Like, he stopped the catching on Rollins... But that made sense because he wants to shot. And Rollins has got a bad back, so it's easier for him to defeat Rollins than Damian Priest. So that makes sense. I I, I really, really like this Drew McIntyre, and I think he needed it. It was about a year ago when we were saying, man, WWE needs an undercard. Maybe a little bit longer ago than that. They have addressed that in, in such a strong way. I mean, there are so many exciting moving parts for WWE at the moment. There really are. It is... It, strongest WWE since the Attitude Era? The mid-2000s roster was stacked for talent. There probably wasn't the same story as there is now, but you you always see people talk about the two. There's that picture that goes around. You know what I mean? Of the locker room. I think it's 2008. Hmm. And the star power in there probably just beats now, I'd say, on the number of Hall of Famers you're going to have and that sort of thing. But actually for, like right now, we could sit here and reel off probably eight to ten current storylines in WWE that we are actively enjoying. And I think the exciting thing about that is, I think the way we the way we watch wrestling has changed because of YouTube a lot of it. People, I don't know how many people sit down and watch three hours of Raw anymore. Because you can record it and because you can get four minute highlights on YouTube that give you most of what you need. But... I reckon most wrestling fans are tuning into at least two or three segments of Raw and SmackDown and NXT a week because there's so many different storylines that there's so, and that are all good in their own way. There's something there that you're going to enjoy. Like we had, I think it was 16 different women on Raw this week, and none of them were there in like a token battle royal to get the women on because they've all got good storyline to go at. And we've lamented the lack of an undercard in the women's division quite quite strongly on this podcast. I said that's what it needs. It's there now. There are four or five different story arcs in the women's division. So I'd say probably in the answer to your question, 
yes, I think it's the best it's been since the Attitude Era. Like the, the way SmackDown finished last week was chaotic like the Attitude Era with all the faces and all the heels just in the ring together. It's it's the most excited I've been. Like I wake up on a Tuesday and a Saturday and the first thing I do is see what happened because you've got to now. You can't miss it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it is the best since the Attitude Era. I think the ratings show that. I think the uh, merchandise shows that. I think the level of technical ability shows that. I think the storyline shows that. I think we are in a golden age for wrestling, but particularly a golden age for WWE. And long may it continue because we've had enough dross to sit through uh, over previous years. Look, let's do everyone's favourite part of the podcast. Earning the push and back to developmental. Uh, something from everyday life we love gets a push. Something we hate goes back to developmental. First or second? Oh, second this week. Okay, uh, nice quick ones for me. Back to developmental. Winter colds. I got one. I'm a little bit croaky today. A little under the weather. They're just rubbish. I hate them. Yeah. Don't like them. Boo. Back to developmental. Earning the push for me, if you have Netflix, I would recommend, if you've got 90 minutes free, to watch a documentary called Maiden which is a little out there, but it is a documentary on the first women to ever compete the uh, Whitbread Round the World Sailing Race. It's really, really good. The amount of misogyny they had to encounter, they were called tarts in tins as they were sailing around the world, and they just smashed all expectations, and they're just this group of kick-ass, badass women. Um, this was in about 1989, Go and watch it. You also have so much respect for sailing. I would. That's my earning the push. That sounds really good. I'm going to watch that. I'm, I'm in a documentary era at the moment. I'm doing documentaries. Call it aging, Charlie. We call it aging. One yesterday on um, the biggest art heist in history that I haven't heard of, um, which I've got two more episodes to watch. It could be earning the push next week. Who knows? <laughs> um, I'm not willing to give it a push yet because I'm only one or three episodes in. So what is this week? Uh, Earn the push this week is also women's sport for me. Um, again, so there is a new tournament that's just started in women's rugby called the WXV. Uh, there is WXV 1, 2 and 3 and it's revolutionary in women's rugby. It's really cool what they've done. Basically, rather than normally in the autumn, like in the men's game, the women have just had autumn internationals where you play whoever's on tour, blah, blah. But the problem is more so than the men's game. In the women's game, there is a bigger divide between the top four or five countries in the world and the more developing countries. So you were either just playing the same people or there was just massive, massive disparity in the results that wasn't helping anyone. So what they did this year is they've taken how your results the rest of the year go into seedings for this and the top six are all in New Zealand playing each other. The next six, six to seven to 12 are in South Africa playing each other and then uh, 13 to 18, I think my math is right there, are in Dubai playing each other. And it means you're playing people of the similar uh, quality to you and there's promotion and relegation between the leagues, etc., etc. It's really cool. It's a new um, competition that's out. Two and three started yesterday in Dubai and South Africa. And WXZ1, which England and I always have best interest because my sister is there, starts next Friday. So I'm giving the push now because by the time we record next, it will have started. So it starts next Friday morning. Is on ITVX in England. You can watch it. So while you're having your breakfast next Friday morning, whack on. England are playing Australia. Oof, we play. Because that's the thing is you only play the countries from the other hemisphere or the other side of the pool. So yeah. in WXV1 is England, France and Wales. They do not play each other because they'll play each other in the Six Nations. There is Australia, New Zealand and Canada. So we've got Australia next week. And yeah, I think it's going to be really good. And it's a really cool way that World Rugby have taken they've looked at the women's game and said it's different to the men's game we're not just going to replicate what we do in the men's game we need something that helps the women's game develop more 
So yeah, that's cool. So yeah, next Friday when you're having your cornflakes or any other cereal, get it on ITVX. And there's nothing better than sport at breakfast time. That's like when the Olympics are down under or the World Cup. Bit of sport, bit of breakfast, perfect. Honestly, when the Olympics are in Australia or something, it's my favourite thing. You should probably go around. What am I watching this morning? Ah, Lawn Bowls. Excellent. Come on, Team GB. Yeah, it's a favourite. Uh, back to about mental uh, is this week the fact that it's a kind of, it's earned the push for my not father-in-law, but father-in-law, Stephen, who came to the rescue this week. But if you saw my Instagram, I managed to um, lock the shed keys in the shed. So bad development for me. I thought it was nice weather on Wednesday. I was like, ah, I'll get the grass cut before winter comes in. Went to open the shed. Shout out to my partner. Do you know where the keys are? Because they weren't where they normally are. And she said, well, you were in there last. I was like, ah, damn, she's got me. I was in there last the other day. And I'm pretty organised normally. So they weren't in the one of two places I'd leave them. So I was like, well, I've definitely lost them. And I looked through the window of the shed and I could see them sitting on my toolbox in the shed. And I had a padlock that just locks without the key. So then I was like, oh, it's all right. I'll get my bolt cutters because I have a bolt cutter because that's the kind of man I am. Jesus. And then I realised the bolt cutters are in the shed, aren't they? That's where I keep them. So I had to ring uh, Stephen, who came around with his angle grinder, because that's the kind of man he has. He has an angle grinder just to warn up me. Uh, and he angle ground the padlock off. But then he had his angle grinder in the shed, so he bought his father at a flamethrower. And then, <laughs> I don't know, he has a garage. He, he, he warn ups me. And I then went to the shop and I bought a combination lock now, so I cannot lose the keys again. So I'm putting myself back to the developmental fact that I managed to lock. The, uh, the keys in the shed. You are a ridiculous man. Sometimes I, I try and humour you, but and I know I have my quirks, but there you are, man in your prime, locking your own bolt cutters in the shed. Shame on you, Charlie Beckett. Shame on you. Um, Well, look, it's been a, a, we barely scratched the surface of this week's wrestling. We didn't do fast lane. We're sorry. There's just too much other stuff to talk about. Before we go, uh, one final question. Are we getting a war games, do we think? Are we just too far out to announce it? No, I think we are. I think they are going to do it with Little Bill because then it doesn't really quite make sense for the two teams are probably going to end up two to be feuding. So they're just going to have a little flashpoint where there will be a big brawl in the ring. And I don't know what the deal is when he came over from AEW, but if they can get William Regal to randomly walk out and be like, I know how to settle this, then you've got to. But I think I remember that he can't appear on WWE television for... 12 to 18 months or something. There was definitely a time. I, if I was to play, I'd bring up Tony Khan and be like, I'll pay you whatever I need to because someone else saying War Games when Regal's in the company just isn't right. What you could do is you could have William Regal just come out and go one, two, three, hold the mic up to the crowd and get them to do... I mean, Cody Rhodes has never had a War Games match. His dad invented War Games. You've got to have Cody in a War Games match. Yeah, I think we're going to get some sort of face team against Judgment Day and some of the bloodliners. And that's why we look. And like I say, I don't think there'll be a big build because it doesn't really make sense why they're feuding. But I think just for the sheer enjoyment of a War Games match. Um, and it's still a novelty that we see War Games in WWE now. It's still really cool that we see it. So, yes, I think we're getting a War Games match. I'd quite enjoy if Triple H just read that he got an email from. Uh, if he just showed a screen that was an email from William Regal that just said, do a War Games or something like that. But uh, yes, I believe we will be getting. Do you think? Do you think we're getting a war games back? Yeah, I do. I do. I like. I like the idea of an email just saying, "Do it, 
Dual war games. Dual war games. Well, look, on that note, we should probably wrap it up. Um, uh, Remember, keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen, even if you don't like us because you think we're biased against AEW. Here's Charlie underscore Beckett on most socials. I am Jack underscore Merley. Uh, we, though, are out of time. Thanks for listening to Earning the Push. We'll see you again next week. Until then, enjoy your wrestling week.